Josh Pollard. I'm Joe DeStasio. And this is Story Players, the podcast that analyzes story-driven video games. Today we are discussing the cinematic adventure game Virginia, developed by Variable State and released on PC, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One back in September of 2016. All right, we are going to start out with a short spoiler-free introduction to this game. So in case you haven't played Virginia yet, you can listen for a couple of minutes find out what this game is like. And then if it sounds interesting for you, go and grab it on any of those three platforms, play it. It's only going to take you about two hours uh, or less. It only took Joe about 90 minutes. So uh, then come back and have a listen to our thoughts because pretty good chance that you're going to want to know what other people think of this game and just exactly what the heck it actually means. But Joe, what, what is the premise of this game? What did you go into this game thinking it was about? So in this game, you're playing as an FBI agent who's working on a missing person's case in a small town uh, in Virginia. That's where the name comes from. It's not the person's name. It's the state. But you've also been assigned to investigate your partner for some reason and to report back any suspicious activity. And the story kind of unravels from there. The game itself is played from a first-person perspective. And the gameplay consists mostly of just walking and being led from scene to scene. This is, this is kind of the walking simulator genre. So there's not much in terms of interaction or, or even really any decisions to make. Despite what the description says, like on Steam, it says that you'll be making choices and decisions as an investigator. Yeah, that's not really true at all. No, it doesn't. I mean, I guess it makes sense from like the character is making the decisions, but you are not. You're no, just, you're not. You're just being led through. What's kind of interesting about this game is that there's actually no dialogue spoken or otherwise so everything you're getting in terms of like story information from the game is coming through each character's you know body language and gestures and the music and absolutely the music the music is a huge part of the storytelling i think in this game and is wonderful and beautiful and done by the was it the prague philharmonic orchestra yep i remember correctly yeah the music was wonderful and at the beginning here you described this as a cinematic adventure game and that more so than maybe any other game i've played i don't know about you but they absolutely built this game to look and feel as much like you're watching a movie as as anything i've played yeah we've talked about certain games and and you know how much of a game is it could this work as a movie but wow they've really taken that idea literally here Mm mm-hmm from the really wide uh, aspect ratio, you know, you're going to get black bars unless you've got some crazy wide monitor. Right. The insistence that the frame rate should be, you know, 30 frames, and that's sort of an artistic choice, and that you don't need to go any higher than that. I'm surprised they didn't actually make it 24 frames per second, right. like a movie would be. Yeah. There's a really lengthy credits introduction. Mm-hmm. And I think more so than any of that, it's just that as you're walking around, all of a sudden you just, you like cut to another place. Like it's a cut in a, in, to another scene, but like you're watching a movie and you kind of understand what's happening from going from one place to the next. But as you're playing, it's really jolting. Yeah, it's kind of jarring. Mm-hmm. It, and in a movie, it's not. And I'm not sure if I, I don't think I disliked that aspect of this game, but it's definitely different. And in some way, it's kind of nice because the walking is slow. There's no sprint button and mm-hmm. you end up in hallways and you're like, really? Got to walk? <laughs> All the way to the end of this hallway, it's going to take a while, and it just cuts to you know you being in an office or something like right. that. So it's a little different, but I thought it was it was pretty cool. I really love the art style. Yeah. of this game, you know, it's got that colorful, not really super realistic. Nope, we've seen some of that with like mm, the Witness uh, recently, Firewatch. Yeah, the only thing that I didn't like about the art style is there are a lot of characters in this game, mm-hmm. a lot of people's faces and stuff to keep straight and there were a few characters that looked really similar especially when in some of them all you have to go off of is pictures they're not even actually depicted you know as a character on screen moving around yeah yeah things like that so there were there were a few times when i was like i don't know who this is absolutely and that would be my one complaint about the art style as well other than that though it is it's beautiful it's a nice thing to look at yeah i really liked it so without getting into too many spoilers Hopefully not at all. How did you like the game? I I did enjoy it. It wasn't exactly what I expected, which I think is is generally a good thing. You know, having surprises along the way is 
is usually a good thing in entertainment media. It got a little confusing and it's a game where you can play it in a single sitting. You should absolutely play it in one, yeah, in one sitting mm-hmm. and don't let anything distract you because you have to be paying attention yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. It's, I saw people comparing it to movies and TV shows like Twin Peaks and Mulholland Drive and a lot of these like more mystery artsy kind of movies Fargo and I don't see Fargo as much as as I don't really see Fargo that much like this but I saw it compared a lot mm-hmm. those types of movies I don't normally watch right so I guess in that way I'm kind of amazed that I enjoyed this game as much as I did because I normally don't don't watch this kind of movie but yeah I I really like this. I liked that it did get me thinking. I don't think it's a spoiler to say that you might actually need to play it twice if you get confused. Yeah, you know, that's that's my thought as well. You know, when I finished the first time, I wasn't really sure how I felt. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm really coming around to it after having gone through it a second time. Mm-hmm. But I'm still not quite ready to say, you know, that I really like it or anything like that. Yeah. You know, and I think the the benefit that you and I had that a lot of people probably don't normally do is when we're playing games to discuss for story players here, we record our gameplay session. So we didn't have to go through and play it a second time. We could just watch the video and fast forward around and jump to different scenes. Might that might actually pause. I think that might actually be the best way to play this game. (laughs) If, if you don't figure it all out in the first playthrough, which I, I don't know. Our, our our audience is probably a lot smarter than us, and they just figured it out the first time through, but I definitely didn't. Yeah, if you're not really feeling like playing again, checking out, I'm sure there's a, a YouTube playthrough or something. Mm. That would be a good place to to review, especially yeah. if there's pieces that you, you missed or you weren't really sure about. Right. So that's going to do it for our spoiler-free introduction. So from here on out, everything we're going to discuss will be riddled with spoilers. If you haven't played it yet, You should like this one, especially in a lot of games that we've covered, we've gone through and and done a a complete walkthrough of what we experienced in the game. We're not going to do that with this one because even though in terms of gameplay length, it's about the same as a lot of the games we've played, it would actually be way more work to describe all of this. Mm -hmm. And I think it's due to how there's no dialogue and Mm -hmm. things like that. So we're not going to do that this time. We're basically just going to jump right into our overall thoughts, some of our theories about it, other questions that we might have, and that's it. So here on out, everything's a spoiler. Go and play the game if you haven't yet. It's the the normal retail price is ten dollars, uh, but oftentimes is on sale for even less than that. But ten bucks, pretty cheap for a nice two hour experience. So now that we're into the spoiler section and we can discuss the fact that there are some fairly weird and unexpected things that happen in this game. And that the last 20 minutes are completely insane. What did you think about this game? Uh, I was feeling pretty good up until like, yeah, that last, that last 20 (laughs) minutes, the last 20 minutes, my face was a look of utter confusion. Yeah. As I walked through scene to scene was just, uh, (laughs) what? I finished the game feeling like I had no idea what I, what I just watched, what yeah. I, what I just did. I, I felt the same way. You played it the night before I did, and when I finished the game, I remember immediately as the credits rolled, I sent you a text message that <laughs> just said, "What?" Like I had uh, immediately following the game, had really no idea what was going on here. I had I had no theories. Nope. I thought. I'm going to talk about this on a podcast. What am I going to say? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was very confusing. And for me, it was because I missed some really key details. I guess I'll just jump into that first. There's a scene where you're going in and wa- and looking at archived microfilm, old FBI files. Mm-hmm. And they're about Judith Ortega which is Maria Halpern's mom. Mm-hmm. So it is your FBI partner's mother. And when 
I was playing through the game, I didn't notice the date on them. I just assumed they were about Maria. Mm-hmm. And when I saw the two envelopes in Maria's car that had two different names, two different last names, two di- yeah, and the same address, I thought Maria had just had another identity or changed her name mm-hmm. or got married or I don't know, something along those lines. So I had no idea that these files were about Maria's mother and that it was her mother that was also an FBI agent that had a whole lot of issues with the FBI while she was there, which is a pretty major point in the story, I think. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really big part of the story. And it's a it's almost like one of those reveals uh, because uh, there are three stories, I think, you're, you're looking at. And on the third one, you get the photo. There's a big photo that appears mm-hmm. above the report yeah. that you're looking at. And it matches the photo in Maria's locket. Yep. And it's it, and the music kind of changes and it kind of zooms in a little bit. And it's like, this is a big reveal. So yeah, it's it's a pretty big, important part. What I had a hard time with in this particular section had to do with some of the gameplay design. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of hard to tell sometimes what you can interact with. Your cursor can, your reticle can change to a different shape to let you know that you can interact with something. And while you're, while you're looking at this, um, you're not really sure how to advance to the next story. And uh, your cursor changes to the, is it a diamond or a square yeah. on the screen? And when you, when you click that, it just zooms in to the, to the article that you're reading. So it's a little bit easier to read and you mm-hmm. think, oh, okay, well, that's not what I was supposed to do. And you go down and you, you flip the dial or turn the dial right. at the bottom of the machine and okay, then it goes to the next section. Well, you do that a couple times. And then on the third one, the report is a little bit smaller. The text is smaller. Yep. And so you ha- you see that same symbol over the report and you think, cool, I know I can zoom in. Right. And I go to zoom in and actually this time it dismisses the report yeah. and leaves the scene. Yep. The same thing happened to that's, me. See, that's, that's a, that's a problem in the it's, design, in the design a of the huge game. Problem, a huge, huge problem because that is the most important of those three pages that you got to see because it had Judith's picture on it mm-hmm. and her picture looks identical to the picture in the locket, mm-hmm. which is why I was never quite certain whether it was indeed Maria's mom's face that was in the locket and whether that locket even really actually mattered, although it seemed like it did, but I couldn't figure out why. Right. For me, the only other gameplay thing that I didn't like, but it wasn't a big deal, was I played with a controller mm-hmm. and the turning speed was yeah. so slow. Mm-hmm. But fortunately, they did give you the ability to, to change the essentially the sensitivity of the control sticks because otherwise man it already took me two hours to play and that was after turning that sensitivity up pretty quickly i can't imagine how much longer it would have taken me to play it if i hadn't adjusted that yeah i was i noticed it being slow right away but i didn't change it because i thought okay if they're making a big deal about this movie experience Mm. maybe they want me to slow down maybe they don't want me like throwing the mouse back and forth or the controller uh analog stick to very quickly scan an area and maybe miss something so I'm like, okay, I'll just, I'll just take it slow. Um, and but then it had the counter of impact on me because I was, I wanted to be able to look all over the room and with how slow it was, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to waste my time looking everywhere. I, yeah, I spent a lot of time in the first couple of rooms do, just looking at everything. Mm-hmm. And then once I realized that there's really nothing to look at, right. Then I didn't, I didn't worry about it and it just kept going. And yeah. I, just, I just left the sensitivity as it was. Which really made me wonder if they made it intentionally slow to discourage you from Maybe. looking all over the place. Because in, if you're watching a movie, you don't get to look all over the place. You get to look where the director wants you to look. Mm-hmm. And after a little while, I, I did kind of come to this thought that I think that I'm mostly just supposed to look where they really want me to be looking. Yeah, you're, you're being more directed yeah. than in other games like this. Yeah. So speaking of the, the whole movie thing, I kind of liked the, the movie thing. I mm-hmm. liked, because I hadn't played a game like that before. No. It was kind of interesting. Uh, it did make it feel more like a movie. And I kind of liked that there wasn't any dialogue. You know, I've, I've seen certain movies where they can go for a long period of time with no dialogue and it's still mm-hmm. engaging. I, I, Pixar's really good at that. You know, you've got the first 20 minutes of WALL-E that has no dialogue whatsoever. But they still have a compelling story about this robot that's been left behind on Earth and he's picking up trash and whatnot. It's really cool. You also have like the first five or ten minutes of Up, 
where you have the the old man and his sort of like his history with the uh his wife and and how they you know met and what have you and then she dies that's all it takes to like elicit an emotional response yeah. you know but here, especially with good music yes but here i feel like these two ideas are conflicting with each other i mm. had a really hard time with this game i feel like if it was if it had uh the whole movie thing with dialogue it would have been a lot like just watching a movie yeah you know they'd be able to communicate better but on top of having no dialogue i feel like there's just so many opportunities where you can't properly convey the message and so i'd see uh, a person gesturing and i didn't know what it meant mm. and that maybe if i had more control and and i wasn't being moved around the world so quickly that i'd be able to stop and maybe explore a little bit and then you know maybe you could have more documents or things that you can look at and interact with and try to piece together what you can't from the missing dialogue. Mm. I feel like that would work too. It's the combining of these two that I feel like it just starts to fall apart. Hmm. See, I, I thought that with the different gestures and different things that you were able to visually see, plus the music, I thought it did a pretty good job of, of telling the story, getting a lot of things across to me. And I didn't, I didn't come away from this game thinking if they had only said a few words every now and then, I might have understood what was going on. I don't think that's the case. I think some other more traditional cinematic transitions in a few key places would have made a huge difference. And I'll, I'll get into what those might have been okay. when we get to my thoughts and theories on the game, but I don't okay. want to mention those just yet. I also wanted to point out how it's interesting that this cinematic viewpoint or scene switching and that sort of thing is exactly the opposite of how first-person, say, shooter games have been going since the original Half-Life, where the, the entire story plays out from a first-person perspective, just like this, but there's absolutely no cuts whatsoever from the beginning of the game to the end. You have Gordon Freeman's um, viewpoint through cutscenes, through, there's really no loading. I mean, there's, there's loading between areas, but it just shows the word loading for a second, mm -hmm. and then you're, you're in that area. There's no like, all right, now let's let's load some other area altogether and you don't know how you got there. Yeah. It to make it feel like you've actually experienced what he experienced all the way through. Mm -hmm. And that's like the exact opposite. Right. Especially in the last half hour of the game, where where it's cutting from scene to scene, sometimes in just a few seconds. Mm -hmm. Which makes sense as a movie, especially if you got that sort of like it feels like the ending here is building up. And it's quickly switching scene to scene to scene, which is actually cool from a game perspective mm -hmm. that they're able to load the different areas that that quickly. Yeah, I didn't think about that, but that's true. And that's a lot, that's why a lot of a lot of cutscenes in video games are pre-rendered, right? Because they can't load that quickly between mm -hmm. the areas. But it it felt like one of those like reveals of a mystery story, like oh my god, it's it's this and then that and. Mm -hmm. Also, I thought it was just kind of funny that there's no dialogue, right? But there's a lot of music, and I felt kind of like lonely playing this game so probably after the first five minutes i just started talking to myself <laughs> i wish i had recorded i wish i'd recorded not just the game audio but me talking because i'm sitting there going okay well all right i'm at work do i have a desk is this my desk no that can't be my desk i guess i'll keep walking oh well here's a door it's open whose office is this i just kept like talking like that throughout the entire mm. game hoping that well again i was just only I had talked to something, but <laughs> you know, by talking it out, I remember more because I'm not going to hear any dialogue or read right. any dialogue. I, I remember pretty well by reading. Usually, when I play these games, I have subtitles turned on, and uh, but there was nothing. It was just going to be images, and and uh, there were subtitles. Remember. I I didn't turn subtitles on because I knew that there was no dialogue. Yeah, well, so it would just subtitles? say things like music intensifies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so hearing impaired kind of closed captioning. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Okay, so those are the things that we liked and disliked about how the game play worked and, and the various ways that they set this all up. Let's actually get into the story here. And, and now it's been a few days since you've played it. You've had a little bit more time to, to mull it over, to think about all of the things that you said to yourself while you were <laughs> playing, playing it. You didn't have any idea what it was that you had just experienced when you finished. What about now, after a few days rest? Well, I feel like I have a general idea of what's going on, but I'm afraid that I, I actually don't, <laughs> especially 
I feel like I'm good up until the last 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Basically, up until it's pretty straightforward up until then. Um, for the most part. Yeah. I mean, if, you, if you're able to actually read the documents and things, sometimes mm. they present a document and then take it away within a few seconds. And if you're not a fast reader, I mean, you're not going to get yeah. that information. But it felt fairly straightforward until until you get thrown in jail. Yes. And after that, you start getting more cases where you're investig- investigating people and they start disappearing and then you start rising up in the ranks and then suddenly you're you're back in jail. And it's at that point where I'm just... Everything after that, I don't understand. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. But up until that point, I feel like there are three major plots or subplots going on here. You've got Lucas, the missing kid. Mm-hmm. So you and your partner, Maria, are investigating that. Yep. Where is this kid? What happened to him? And I feel like by the end of the game, it's like, okay, the his dad was having an affair with one of Lucas's friends and that Lucas caught him. Took mm-hmm. pictures of him. Dad went, you know, probably in a rage or whatever. Right. Uh, he's got a bunch of guns in his office. I don't know if, you know, maybe he got so upset he shot the kid. I don't know. There's no evidence of that. But yeah. and but it's after that that Lucas goes missing. But I don't know. I don't know anything beyond that. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we find picture evidence and finds uh, the box in the drawer. And in I've been calling him Mr. Fairfax because I don't think we know what his name is. Lucas's dad. In his office, she finds a box and inside is a roll of film. Yep. And that's where you see the picture that was taken uh, by Lucas. And so they bring they bring him in to interrogate him. And it seems like nothing comes from that. So that to me, like that's a, that's like a dead end. Like there's nothing that comes out of the missing Lucas case. Right. The second one is your investigation of Maria. So you've been given this assignment of an internal investigation of Maria may be doing some weird things, suspicious things while you're working this case, report any suspicious activity, that sort of thing. But we learn a lot about her. We learn about her mother being an FBI agent, a really good FBI agent, but she seemed to be starting to rock the boat a bit too much. And the agency was getting uncomfortable and tried to get rid of her in some way or another. Um, but I don't know if they tried to like kill her or if they just fired her or... Right. I don't know. Well, but I, seems- I think we find out that I don't think they killed her or anything. Because when you think about Maria's apartment, Mm -hmm. she has all of that stuff in her apartment for caring for an elderly person. Sure. Is that just because her mother is now later? You know, it's it's further along the time and she's just older and she's taking care of her mother. Yeah. Because I I think her her mother was an FBI agent in the late 60s and early 70s, if Mm -hmm. I remember the dates correctly. Mm -hmm, I think so. And this game is taking place in the 80s? Uh, This is early early 90s. 90s? 92, I think. Yeah. So, you know, she'd be a little bit older. Sure. And if she if she had some sort of health condition, then mm-hmm. she could definitely use some of those. But things. yeah, you can definitely tell like there's an empty hospital bed mm-hmm. in the one room. That room has bars on the windows. Uh, you can see like the little the little seat on the stairs that would help somebody climb up right. start, by just you know moving them up. There in the bathroom, there's like a handle handlebar next to the toilet. There's a little like seat that you can sit in in the in the bathtub. So mm-hmm. yeah, definitely there's evidence of somebody being there. That needs assistance. And don't the letters in her glove box have both of their names at the same address? No, it doesn't say Judith. It has oh, it has right. Maria Halperin and Ortega. Right. So I don't quite understand that. Yeah. Now that I think back to that, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. So I, I just assumed that she was married oh, or wait. something. Yeah, it does make sense because Maria Ortega would be Maria's maiden name. Uh-huh. And she must and. She has a wedding ring. She's married because she hands the wedding ring off to Anna when they go to the bar. Mm-hmm. So, and, and when you're looking at the FBI records in the computer, you're looking up Maria, both of her names. And it mm-hmm. says right there that the information was transferred from one name to the other. Yeah. So I, I also just assumed that it was a marriage, but we don't see any, like mm-hmm. the husband, did the, has the husband died? Maybe the husband is the person that she was taking care of. Oh, that's a possibility. Yeah, because you never see him. Mm-hmm. So in terms of investigating Maria, I just feel like maybe they're afraid that she's doing the same sorts of things that her mother was doing, and that's why they're investigating her. Right. But if that's the case, why in in the sequence of Anne getting all these different cases, those people aren't related to Maria or Judas, so why? But I don't know if that's real. I don't know if that's a dream. I don't know if that's drug-induced, whatever. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I'm not sure to put any stock into that. And then the the third 
subplot is just the craziness going on in the town. You've got a lot of strange people here. Mm-hmm. You've got this Air Force base and this Air Force guy uh, who we first see when we were investigating the hangout area in the cave and there's like some the ground shakes or something and the beam falls down on Maria. Mm-hmm. I assume that that was because of some activity going on in the Air Force base. Right. And, and so we see him come by like at the police station, I think, uh, just checking on her or whatever. We have this guy running for mayor. He's got a cool pin that says, bring home the bacon. <laughs> winning, got, that's a winning campaign slogan right there. <laughs> we've got uh, the sheriff and we've also got this like bison that just shows up in the middle of the road <laughs> and in a number of other places. Again, maybe dream sequences or what have you. Well, that's not a dream sequence because it's in her notes. The, yeah, the first instance of the bison. Now, I don't know, is it common that bison live in, in Virginia? I thought they were like a West, so. yeah. a West kind of thing. So I don't, I don't know what that's significant. The time when it's in her apartment is definitely a dream sequence. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope so. Unless she took it as a pet, but I don't, I don't get the impression. But yeah, like that it, it, is this just like a deer walking by and it's just like, oh, whoa, whoa, we don't want to hit the deer and the deer acts as some sort of symbol throughout the rest of the story or is it more significant because this is an animal that's completely out of place you know is this like a polar bear in the jungle kind of thing Mm -hmm. and i i think there's some significance there there's two major animals in here we've got the bison and the cardinal Mm -hmm. and i have some theories about the cardinal i thought a lot about the bison i still have no idea (laughs) what is going on with that bison so aside from those three plot lines I don't know how interconnected they are. At one point, Anne puts this stamp-like thing on her tongue that must be some kind of drug or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know, you know how real uh, everything that happens after that is with going to the ceremony with all these people dressed up in masks and costumes mm-hmm. and seemingly sacrificing the bison. So the game takes place over, I think, five days. And most days start with some sort of dream sequence. And usually there's this crazy red door with this glowing red light. And I don't know how much, you know, is this sort of a subconscious thing going on with Anne that that plays into the rest of these things? I don't know. It's at that point that I really have no idea what's going on. So please, (laughs) I'm hoping that you've done some research. I'm hoping that you've found some theories or that you have some of your own Mm -hmm. and we can discuss discuss them, please. So as a reminder to our audience and to be totally upfront, when I finished this game, I had no idea what the heck was going on here. I was very confused. I already mentioned one of the reasons why I was confused. Another important, somewhat important detail that I also somehow just completely missed was when Maria and Anna are developing the film that they found in Mr. Fairfax's office. Mm-hmm totally missed what the photo was of it's really hard to see okay but it's apparently a picture of the preacher and the girl so it's it's real blurry Mm -hmm. and it looks like you can see the the preacher's collar but other than that i can't i couldn't make out anything but immediately after that scene is when they've brought him in yeah so i figured it's got to be him and then once you see uh they're also interrogating one of the teenagers yeah one of lucas's friends i figured it it's got to be her also in the picture yeah plus you can see once he leaves he talks to his wife and his wife smacks him yes exactly yeah Yeah. although if your husband regardless of whether or not he's a preacher if there's pictures of him in suggestive scenarios with a teenage girl probably probably deserving of more than just a smack maybe divorce papers and all this (laughs) who knows but although we don't know. Maybe she did leave, you know, with aliens because she comes out of a UFO later. Excuse me? What? <laughs> That's not really my theory. So I missed the the thing earlier about Maria's mom being mm. in the FBI, which were two huge things and why I think I was so confused when I finished the game. So I did do some research. I wanted to see what what theories other people had, read through some of them, and then and then went back and rewatched basically the whole game and and mul- multiple parts numerous times to try and and figure it out and see if some of these theories seem to make sense and to see if there's anything else that I could pick out because there were still a lot of things that 
that people just weren't talking about like, what the heck is this Cardinal? And I didn't really see any decent theories for what this Buffalo was doing. Really? Nothing. So a couple of big things that, especially that, that you weren't as as sure about that. I, after reading some of these theories definitely made a lot of sense to me when you get to the jail scene Mm -hmm. and then almost immediately you're seeing Anna's career progress and she's losing friends and eventually makes it to director of the FBI or whatever. I think that that's supposed to be a vision of one option that she's basically got a couple of options here now that she's in jail. Okay. She can basically turn in anything that she's got on Maria Mm -hmm. and progress on with her career and she sees what that looks like. Or she can try and figure out what the heck is actually going on here. Okay. So hold up. Okay. A couple questions first of all. Yep. One, why is she in jail? I'm not entirely sure. They come, they, the sheriff and some officers come to her house mm-hmm. and then she's in jail. And I don't know. So I, fe- I think the scene preceding that is when she's talking to Maria on the water tower and she tosses her yes. papers out. You're right. Is I mean, I that's like it says confidential and stuff all over those papers. Right. Is that reason? It could be. It could be. But but it's also it's not the FBI that arrested her. No. It's the police that arrested yeah. her. Which makes me think that it had more to do with perhaps some sort of conspiracy thing going on between the local officials and the Air Force. And that they wanted to toss them in jail to scare them into not investigating what's going on in this weird town anymore. But they haven't really done anything. Well, so, but which it, is why they would get out of jail and they do get out of is jail. Is this after Anne goes to crosses the fence into the Air Force base to pick up the locket? Because maybe, maybe it's like a oh? trespassing or she really wasn't supposed to be there kind of thing. It, it is after that. So that, that is another possibility. But then why would Maria be in the cell too? Right. And then, so my second question is, why does the officer just let her out of the cell? Is that part of the vision that's the, okay, if I get out of here, for whatever reason, like however I'm able to get out of here, I say, listen, I'll give you everything I have. Mm-hmm. Is that just the start of the vision and that's how she gets out? I'm not entirely sure, but either way, they do get out, right? Because at the end of the game, they're both out of jail. I don't know if I see Maria unmasked, assuming that she's someone at the at the ceremony. I don't think we see her ever again. I, I mean, past that, at the very end of the game, when oh, you're okay. in the diner, and then you're driving away. Yes, I think that's real life. Okay, <laughs> at least or real it, life for the game. Is it just fantasy? No, I think that's real life. So, caught in a landslide. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's real life, and that the entire sequence where you're seeing. Her advancing her career is a total dream sequence. Not not necessarily a dream sequence, but mm-hmm. where she's seen uh, her one possibility of her future. Okay. And when I said earlier that there's some common cinematic things that they could have done to clear things up, sure, they could have made it more obvious that this was a dream sequence or something like that. You know, blurries, transitions, or something. Something common of a of a transition into a a foreshadowing type sequence or something. And they didn't do anything. It was just another scene cut. That's why it took me a while to even realize throughout the week that these are dream sequences. I thought the opening scene where she's going on stage and and getting her badge, I thought that was the initial part of the story. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize it was a dream at first. So, I mean, that that fits with the rest of the game, that they're, (laughs) they're intentionally making it ambiguous or hard to tell what is real and what is not. Right. But all those other ones, there's something super weird about them that makes it obvious that they're a dream. Buffalo in the apartment, (laughs) you know, creepy red door, that sort of thing happening all over the place. But there's nothing like that in this, here's my potential future. Oh, look, I made friends. Yay. Oh, I'm busting them. (laughs) Super depressing. So she has this, this vision of her future then we're back to her being in the jail cell and she realizes, well, 
I've got this drug LSD or I don't know. I don't know drugs. Some sort of drug mm-hmm. on the stamp. That's how Maria's mom used to solve things. What else have I got to lose? We're already in jail. She takes the drugs. The bricks fall out of the wall. The elevator things happen. Everything goes completely bonkers. And that's because she's totally high on drugs. Mm-hmm. But she learns some things. Or at least not necessarily learns things, but I think things become more clear to her. It at least as clear as anything in a trippy (laughs) drug induced dream can be. But I think some of the key things that we're supposed to figure out during the the drug induced dream, the the sacrificial ceremony with the bison, I think is supposed to to key us into the fact that everybody all of the big wigs in this town are involved in some sort of conspiracy. It seems to make sense that it would be, uh, that it would involve the air force. Obviously the air force colonel or whatever his Mm -hmm. rank is, is in there, but we don't really know what it is. I really doubt that it's UFOs. Mm -hmm. I mean that with it being the air force, that would be an easy thing. And there is a UFO in the game, but Mm -hmm. I don't know like that, that, the whole UFO thing, the whole Maria being in the basement of the FBI, all just kind of felt like a a, a way of tapping into fans of the X-Files. <laughs> Mulder's office is in the basement. Mulder's going after UFOs. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I'm not sure that there really is anything there. There was something going on. Maybe it was UFOs. Who knows? I don't think we're ever going to know. I don't think we're supposed to know. But there's some sort of conspiracy there. Everybody feels super guilty about the things that they've done. Mm-hmm. You know, you see, you end up seeing things through those characters. And that was something that I didn't fully realize until watching it the second time. You know, you end up in the photo booth and you're you. Yeah, you but can then tell you because realize, you can look around and you right, can see that you're you wearing see your outfit hands, and her and, hands. And yep. your coat, right. But then, nope, you're not you. You're the mayor Mm -hmm. and he's super ashamed of like he can't he's so ashamed of himself he can't even look at the photos of himself that he's taking Mm -hmm. you see uh that you're the director of the fbi and you're so torn up that you can't even eat Mm -hmm. you see yourself as the preacher with the girl Mm -hmm. and you see and you see yourself as the sheriff who's obviously not completely stable when he (laughs) loses it after you accidentally break one tiny piece on his boat Mm -hmm. so everybody's got issues here and it it does seem to be pointing to some sort of conspiracy that you're not really meant to to know there's also the scene with her with we presume anna's dad he gives you a key to unlock a box Mm -hmm. you don't know what's in the box other than another box (laughs) right and you burn it which you don't do until after you show him that you're in the FBI. Yeah. So this is where I started to think that things were out of order chronologically mm-hmm. because he gives you this key, but it's the same key that we've been looking at throughout mm-hmm. the game. Anne always kind of looks at the, she holds up this thing and you're not really sure what it is, but it becomes clear at the end that this is the a, the key that he had given her to open the box and the key breaks. Right. So that means that that, that, scene had to happen before everything else in the game. Yep. Which was confusing to me because I thought the beginning of the game was the... <laughs> <laughs> was the beginning of the game? Was the going on the stage. <laughs> right. And getting... So I'm like, okay, so she gets... She gets... She's she's in the FBI now. She's got her badge. She goes and sees her dad, somebody, mm-hmm. relative, friend, I don't know, in the hospital, shows him, I'm in the FBI now. He looks really proud, really happy. Yep. And then gives her the key and then points to the closet and that's when she goes in and grabs the box. It seems like he must have been involved in whatever was going on in this town. And the in whether that well the box thing must be real cuz the key is real. Like she's definitely got the key. Mm-hmm. But she burns it presumably under his his direction, but maybe not. And you never see her look at what's in there. Mm-hmm. But maybe she did at some point. We don't really know if she actually burned it or whatnot, but you're led to believe that she did, that right. she did she destroy whatever was in that box. Yes. So I, I think 
what it's trying to say here is she figures out what's going on here. She figures out that the FBI is also involved in all of this. Mm-hmm. And the ending with Maria and Anna in the diner and them taken off is them. They've, they've left the FBI. They're done with all of this. And I think the only other hint at that being the case is who they see on the way out of town. That's Lucas with the guitar case walking mm-hmm. out of town. And they don't care. Their whole job is to find out what's going on with Lucas. If they're not in the FBI anymore, they don't care what's going on with Lucas. Especially when they see that he's fine. He's not dead and murdered by his dad or off with the aliens and a UFO. And I, I think that's basically it. I, I don't know. So let's say it's let's say it's the dad in this hospital bed. Let's mm-hmm. say that it's Anne's dad. It feels like she's she's burning something she doesn't he or she doesn't want anybody to see. Mm-hmm. So is this is this evidence of him, her, someone doing something bad? And the people that we've seen throughout the rest of the game doing bad things or potentially questionable things is Maria. Maria and, and Judith, is there some sort of relationship, maybe not necessarily like family-wise, but in in all this activity going on from, you know, decades ago? And so you're asking, is there some connection between Maria's mom and Anna's dad? Yes. I think so, because I think, well, I I, I think in the sense that they were either involved in the conspiracies that were going on or investigating the conspiracies that were going on. I saw one person online that said that Anna's dad was a police officer in kingdom. Okay. I have no idea where they would have gotten that information though. I never saw anything that indicated that, Hmm. but maybe there was some quick thing that I missed. Okay. Going back to the drug thing real quick. Mm -hmm. When Anne in the, in the jail cell takes the, drug stamp stampy thing it's in a red envelope Mm -hmm. she got that from one of lucas's friends she got the stamps from lucas's friends the envelope was something that i rewatched a few times on the water tower maria gives you a red envelope but then later i think it's like immediately afterward you see maria sticking one of the stamps into a red envelope and sticking the rest of the stamps into an evidence envelope. Mm-hmm. And next to that evidence envelope, on the other, on the far side of the desk, mm-hmm. is a whole bunch of red envelopes. Yeah. So I took, I took it as, so the scene where they're going through the evidence and putting it in the box or the bag, Maria's off typing things up, typing up a report. Mm-hmm. And Anne's looking at the switchblade. She's looking at the wallet and... It looks like it's an empty wallet. There's no mm. cards or anything in it, but she puts it upside down and, and the stamps fall out. Right. She keeps one, puts the rest in the bag, and then the one that she took, she puts in a red envelope, takes it home, and puts it on her nightstand. Oh, right. And then the next time we see that is at the water tower when Maria hands her back the envelope. Yes. Which seems to indicate that somehow like Maria got into her, got into Anne's house. Mm-hmm. Or somehow took this envelope from her because they even show like a like a flashback, a little mini flashback of of Anne putting that down on the nightstand. Right. So did Maria like at this? It's probably maybe it's the same time that while Anne's breaking into Maria's house, maybe Maria's off bringing it into Anne's house. Yeah, that that's actually I, I had written that in my notes that uh, I I just forgotten it while we were talking here. But yeah, that was my immediate thought when she gave. When Maria gave the red envelope to Anna, I, my immediate thought was, oh, Anna's or Maria's been in my house too. Mm-hmm. So, so if but Maria, is that before or after Maria discovers that you've been spying on her? I don't remember. Her getting into the house? We don't, we don't actually see her getting into the house, oh, so true. we don't know. Well, but the, yeah, because the water tower scene is after yep. Maria discovers that you've been spying on her. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess we don't know. It could be that when she ditched Anna at the gas station, that she went straight to Anna's house, <laughs> broke in, and that's when she got the red envelope. Interesting. Yeah, that it could, could be, be. The, that could be the timing. Yeah. So, so I could see how maybe Maria would have applied drugs or something to this stamp that just happens to be in this otherwise empty wallet, 
and given it back to her, given it back to Anne. Oh. But how would how would Anne know to do anything with that? And why would why would this teenage kid have like four stamps yeah. in his wallet? I feel like they were already had the drugs. Yeah, me them. too. Also, did you notice the stamps had images of cardinals on them? I did notice that. Which does lead me into a completely separate thing that I wanted to discuss, and that was the cardinal. So we see the cardinal in a bunch of different situations, and it is clearly supposed to symbolize something. Something. Did you ever have any idea what what you thought it was? Uh, no, I don't have anything right now. But we know that it. We first see the cardinal in the rock quarry, the cave mm-hmm. uh, with a cool hangout place. They find the cardinal in a cage. Yep. And I have notes on all of these. Let me read them. Oh, to okay, you. cool. Yeah. So I went through and looked at our notes and watched through the videos and wrote down. Every scene where we saw the cardinal or something with the cardinal. First, we see the cardinal in a cage. Where does the cardinal go? I that's a that's a good question. The cardinal goes to Maria. Oh, where does it go? Oh, yeah. I get, yeah, like it, yeah. Maria's holding right. the cardinal. Yep, right. Then we go to the morgue. The cardinal dies and flies away. Like it comes back to life and flies away. Yeah, like once like when, when Maria is holding the cardinal, and then that's when she gets hit by the beam falling from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. I'm like. Okay, where'd the bird go? <laughs> Did he get hit by the beam too? Is that how he dies? Is that why he's in the morgue? I, that, I, I think that's what you're supposed to think. It seems awfully unlikely, but is, sure. Is the morgue a real thing or is that a dream sequence? Is that part of a dream? Uh, that's a great question. Because it's dead. The cardinal's dead and yeah. she touches it and it wakes up and right. flies out the window. Right. But then she turns around and the Air Force guy is there. Mm-hmm. And he seems like he's like satisfied with what just happened. Not like, not like freaked out because a bird just came back from the dead. <laughs> right. But he's like, yeah, exactly. And then that's yeah. it. He turns around and leaves. Yeah, I didn't quite figure that part out. Okay, what happened? Let me keep next? going. The stamps have cardinals on them. Mm-hmm. The stamps we think have drugs on them. Mm-hmm. Next, the cardinal's in a burning furnace. Okay. The next time we see the cardinal, we're in the bar. The box that had the film in it mm. now also has the dead cardinal. Mm-hmm. But the next morning, when we're at Maria's apartment, the bird is not in the box. Mm-hmm. The bird is gone. Mm. Then we have another vision after the gas station thing. Cardinal's on the ground at the gas station. Mm-hmm. Buffalo comes up. You pick up the cardinal, and what happens? It just disappears, right? Not exactly. What do you mean, not exactly? It's in your hands. It disappears, and then what's in your hands? Oh, it turns into the it turns into the locket. It turns into the locket. Then, remember that one, because I think that's the key. That's the one when I finally figured it out. At least I think I figured uh-huh. it out. We see it one more time. During the drug sequence, the last time that we're back at the ceremony mm. with the buffalo dead, and you take the mask off, the mask winks at you, which, what? Winky mask. Falls to the ground, shatters, and it has the cardinal in it. Mm-hmm. Any more theories on what this cardinal is? I mean, it, does it symbolize uh, a Judith in some way? That's what I think. Like, how so? Like, as in, you're not saying that she actually, like, physically embodies oh, the no, cardinal. Oh, no, no, I wouldn't go anywhere that crazy. But <laughs> there was a spaceship. I, I don't entirely know, but... I do think the cardinal is supposed to represent Judith. Okay. And and Judith's methodologies. Okay. Especially if the cardinal's on the stamps. Especially with the cardinal being all over the stamps. The cardinal turning into the locket that has the picture of Judith in it. Mm-hmm. It's the, the drugs, which were Judith's approach to solving things, mm-hmm. are what allows Anna to piece everything together. So these drugs. Mm-hmm. Is this just a simple, is just a way of just, you know, altering your state of mind and unlocking, say, subconscious thoughts that are there piecing everything together? Is, is that, is that I think what we're that's thinking? the theory. Okay, I can buy that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's some like, I just broke your brain sort of crazy theory or anything like that. But that's, that's what I came up with for the Cardinal. It's way more than I came up with for the Buffalo. Yeah. I still don't know. The only theory that I saw that was like, the buffalo represents things that got in Anna's way. And I thought they made some pretty big leaps. Like the first one is obvious. It got in the way of the car, <laughs> you know, but then uh, the, that theory talked about like it 
It also represents the men standing in the way of her career and the men locking her up in jail. That that all seemed like pretty big leaps to me. I, it would be an interesting part of the story because I think another really interesting part of this game is who the main characters are. Mm. We're not just white dudes like most other games. We're African-American women. Yeah. And that's kind of cool and different. It's at least different. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know? So I... I don't really think that that theory works out all that well for the Buffalo, but who am I to, to really criticize it when I don't have a better one of my own? I just have just, you know, random thoughts. How do they fit into theories Mm -hmm. or actually more like random like questions? What about this scene? That sort of thing. They visit this roadhouse, this bar. Yeah. I was kind of confused at first because it looks like it's, I don't know, like a church group get together kind of place. I don't know. It's called uh, Sojourner's Truth. That's the name of the place. They go in and you're not immediately in the bar. There's like a place to hang up your coats and there's a little counter. It, it doesn't look like a bar to me. But then they go in and clearly there's, you know, alcohol and yeah. and a band. Stage and, with a band on it. Yeah. yeah. I just feel like the word Sojourner I usually associate with uh, religion. And hmm. uh, we got the preacher guy. And so I was wondering if there's some sort of connection there or they're trying to hint at something or, you know, it's Sojourner's Truth is the name of this bar that looks like it was, it's put in like a converted, I don't want to say church, but. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't notice any church resemblance there. But so the only thing that really happens in there is dude comes up to hit on you. Yeah, wave him off, pretending that the wedding ring is yours. And then you open the box and the Cardinal's in there. You know, when you open that box and see that Cardinal, she freaks out. Mm-hmm. But it fades to red. Right. And we, we see, the only time we see the red like that is... is During the dream sequence. During the dream sequences when you see the creepy red door and the glowing red lights and stuff like that. I wasn't sure if somehow that was indicating that this is a dream or leading into a dream. Maybe what happens immediately afterwards Well, is it might be because the very next scene is, is her standing on a balcony drinking a beer. Mm-hmm. Which I think was supposed to be at Maria's apartment. Mm-hmm. Well, it must be because, well, you also see them dancing a little bit oh, at that's the club true. Yeah. and drinking. And then they're both on the balcony, right? I think you can look over to the left and Maria's so. there. And then the very next scene is when you're waking up in her apartment on the couch. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that makes sense. But, okay. So, so, nothing else so maybe the, the Sojourner's True thing was just a dream sequence while she was at Maria's? No. Well, I'm not, uh, <laughs> no, I don't think that. I just... Yeah, I, I didn't really figure out how that really factored in anything. I just thought that that, that name just stood out to me. That's all. Mm-hmm. D- uh, during the end, when sh- she's uh, high on whatever, and she starts taking the looking at people from their own point of view, mm-hmm. right? There's the the one part in the diner, and she's she's some person at uh, at the counter, and they've got coffee, and they're opening up the flask. That's cord. Yep. Are you sure it's cord? I'm positive it's cord. Because he looked different. He looked skinnier, for one thing. It didn't look like he had any facial hair. His head looked smaller. It mm. didn't, it didn't, to me, it didn't look like him. I didn't actually like walk around to look at him from the front, though. Yeah, I don't think you can. Okay. But this young man comes in, mm-hmm. and it's got the name of the Air Force guy on, right. a, on a badge on, on, his, on his uniform, and he's got this baby, and then like, you... you go back to like yourself so you can see these two people interacting but you go and pick up the baby yeah it's Anne holding the baby and she yeah. looks down at the baby and again these faces it's kind of hard to see these faces but i felt like it was trying to tell me that this is somebody that we know yeah because the baby kind of looked like judith really i thought the baby looked like <laughs> cord <laughs> well and cord would make a little more sense because he tries to, hu- the, the new dad, mm-hmm. tries to hug Cord like, well, I guess we're family now. And Cord pushes him away. Mm-hmm. And, so, and he's like, no, son, we're just going to salute. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I understood this to be a vision of the past for Cord and Eminger, or however you pronounce this Air Force guy's name. And that those two aren't just related through conspiracy, that they're somehow related through marriage or something like that but i don't i don't i didn't really understand why or what the point was or like maybe it was just a 
Well, we've had a vision of every other important character <laughs> here. I guess we got to figure out one for, for Cord and for the Air Force guy without without it being a scene that shows them investigating aliens or something. <laughs> uh, on her way to the ceremony, she's Anne's walking through the caves and things. It's kind mm. of a long walk. And she comes into a, a more of a cavernous opening and there's this gigantic head that's like carved out of the rock. Mm. Whose head is that? Why is that there? What is it? <laughs> that's Nothing. another one that I also have no idea about. Her vision's getting really crazy at that point, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that one's also Judith. Yeah. Leading you in the direction. I don't know. I'm I'm really grasping at straws here. Considering all the faces look the same, yeah. it's really hard to tell when it's a pile of rocks. Yeah, it's yeah, that's too bad. Oh, the other thing I forgot to mention about this whole movie experience is the menu. The menu for this game. It has an option for chapter selection. Oh, and you right. go into it, and it's uh, it's got a grid of thumbnails. Yep, it looks exactly like a DVD or a Blu-ray yeah. <laughs> uh, scene selection. Yeah, I like that. So this UFO scene is called departure. That's what it's labeled. You know, I wondered where you got all those labels for our notes. Oh yeah, I just took them from there from from the from the scene selection. That helps organize. That them. makes sense. Yeah, because I thought that that might mean something, right? Oh, that's if they're really... proper, if they're real if they're labeled by yeah, the developers. That then. was a really smart idea. Okay, so the the UFO thing happens at the rock quarry. Yep. You know, like the other other side of the uh, drainage pipe or whatever it is. Yeah. That's where Anne finds the locket, the locket after yeah. she falls from a tree and like knocks herself out. That was really like, I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> Get down off that tree. You're going to hurt yourself. And she sees somebody there. Who is it? Is it Lucas? I think it's Lucas. I think it's Lucas. So because you can't really tell. First of all, you're, it's dark. You're looking from behind mm-hmm. and the person's moving a little bit so you can kind of see them from the side a bit, but it feels like the way that you have to identify people is by their hair. Right. So Lucas has a distinctive haircut and it looked like Lucas. Mm-hmm. The spaceship comes and I mean like this is classic saucer style right. UFO <laughs> comes and then shoots down this giant beam of light. Somebody comes out, grabs Lucas's hand, and then they both walk back into the light. Who's the other person? It's a woman. She's wearing a skirt. I didn't notice that, but okay. The theory that I saw was that it was Lucas's mom. How so? That, well, when, when that person expanded on their theory, what they said was that it symbolized Lucas and his mom both wanting to just escape the situation with the dad. Okay. They didn't actually get a UFO. <laughs> and we see that because... The scene ends with Lucas scrambling up over the rocks and running away. And then we see him at the end of the game. Okay. So So going back to distinctive haircuts, when this other person turns around and goes into the light, you get a very clear silhouette of the person. Mm -hmm. That haircut looks like Judith's haircut. It looks like Judith because she's got, when you look at the picture of her in the locket and then in the report, she's got this like really short haircut. Mm -hmm. They kind of like, straight it's really it comes down straight i don't know like a i don't know haircut i don't know how to describe female haircuts either but it's it's like really angular (laughs) (laughs) she's made of polygons it looks really angular it looks like it to me but i don't it doesn't help me at all understand what's going on no that actually makes it more confusing but after going back and looking at all the pictures i think you're right i think the only person that we can assume that it is is judith maria's mom that's that just makes it weirder man but if Judith is also the rock sculpture thing, I mean, is it just like signs of, you know, you're doing things the way that Judith wanted you to or something? Did Judith get abducted by aliens and that part was real? But then she let Lucas back out? Right. Because immediately <laughs> afterwards, so you go running toward the light and does, does she not actually like go into the Make spaceship? it into the UFO? But afterwards, it's, it's, I think it's like becoming morning. The light's starting to come up. The sun's starting to come up. And the, the rock structure that was there in the middle of this clearing that had the locket on it is gone. It's gone. It's and like this huge The ground is like mark. scorched, right. And then there's somebody climbing over the rocks. Who is that? Is that Lucas? I think it's Lucas. What? <laughs> I don't know. What? I looked at the whole UFO thing as just a drug dream thing. 
Is that still part of that sequence? Yeah. It's the end of it. It's the last one. No, because, well, okay. Okay. So this happens after we see Anne burn the box. Mm -hmm. That actually cuts back to the hospital room and she's looking at her badge again and there's nobody in the bed. Oh, you're right. But it does go back to the broken mask that shows the cardinal. But then you see like this flash of light and it looks like the observatory is opening up. Mm-hmm. Like a UFO. Like it, like the lid to the observatory yeah. was a spaceship. <gasps> oh. Huh. And aliens I, like the bison? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know that that actually makes it any less confusing. Here's why I'm really hoping our listeners are going to write us some email. <laughs> yeah. And give us their theories. Because this is definitely the most thought-provoking game we've played, I think. Uh, I don't know if I would say thought-provoking. Maybe not thought-provoking. I would say most confusing and most, requires right. trying to figure out what it means. Yes. Is you're back at the diner. I almost thought this was like a rewind. Mm-hmm. To, the, to the beginning. When because it looks like it's the same. Like it's, some, it's, in, it's in one of the scenes earlier on. I think it's the first time they're at the diner. Yeah. That the waitress leaves the, the check mm-hmm. on the table and Maria gets up and just leaves. Yeah. But it, it, I felt like we're going back to that moment and Anne's like, you know what? I don't need this key anymore. This broken key and mm-hmm. leaves it on the table. But Maria comes back and grabs the check. Was this like, was this like going back I and, think... and showing what happens after we get, we cut away from that, from that the first time? No, I think Maria gets the check because they want you to know that it's not rewinding time. This isn't back at the beginning. And her leaving the key on the table is another example uh, or sign of her just leaving it all behind. Mm-hmm. Saying, we're, we're done with this. I'm done with the lies. I'm done with the conspiracies. I'm done with the FBI. I'm done with all of this. So I don't need this broken key anymore either. But then they drive down the road, they go past the gas station, they go past the rock quarry. They're leaving town. They're leaving town, leaving kingdom. Yeah. Which is where a lot of this is, well, this whole game is taking place. Mm-hmm. Well, except their apartments, which I assume is, we know that Maria's apartment is back in D.C. Right. And they see what looks to be Lucas walking down the road. Mm-hmm. It's Lucas. But nobody seems to care. Like, this, this is the missing kid. So that's why I'm starting to think, like, oh, that it's actually earlier in yeah. time and he isn't missing yet? Yeah. Yeah. But they didn't go to the town until no. they knew he was missing. No. But they don't stop him like, hey, you okay, man? You've been missing for a while. He's clearly okay. He's alive. So I guess that... It, He's got a guitar case with no guitar in it. How do you know there's no guitar? Because the guitar is still in his closet. What does he have in the case? Clothes, because he's running away. <gasps> he's running away. They're running away. Everybody is done with kingdom. The other clue about this being a different time period and in, in being like the present time is that we don't, I don't think we see their badge. Anne had previously put her badge down on the table, the FBI badge, and we don't see that in, in on her nightstand, you mean? No, 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 on the diner table. I never saw it on the, di- on the diner table. I'm saying on this last time, I don't think we see it there. Right. And we did see it. The first earlier time. in the in the other okay. times that we see the diner or them at the diner mm. it's like they make a point that she's got the badge there so that could be the the clue that yeah now she's no longer part of the fbi right and that makes sense mm-hmm. okay i don't think i have any other questions at this point i still don't fully understand what this is about <laughs> but i feel like i have a better idea of what it could be about i think that ties up a lot of loose ends for me i'd say uh if you like this kind of story i haven't watched twin peaks it's been on my list of things mm-hmm. to watch and and people do compare this game to that in terms of story and mystery this might be a good game to check out but i, I don't think you can just play this once and and say i'm done with it i feel no. like you need to you need to you're gonna have to play through it a second time or watch it to to really try to piece everything together yeah and because it's so cinematic watching it again it works totally works so now that we've talked through all of this now how much did you enjoy this game? Uh, I would say that my enjoyment level has increased. Okay, that's good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, any game that makes you think this much about what's going on in the story, I think is, it's at least pretty good, or I guess the it could be completely garbage mm-hmm. if it's completely destroyed and there don't seem to be any connecting threads. But I think there are enough 
You just had to really, really be paying attention and not miss anything to be able to connect. And, I, and I think we haven't gotten it all. I think no, I don't we're think we by no means any, anywhere close to figuring it all. And, you know, I, I almost want to like watch it again. Now that I have these Another theories in theory? mind, I want to start going, okay, well now how does that, you know, does that fit with what I'm seeing? I'm not going to do that though. But I, <laughs> I could see. Maybe if you're struggling to sleep some night, sure. just turn on this video. <laughs> so we've still got plenty of questions that haven't been answered yet. Hopefully you might have some theories or answers and hopefully you'll share them with us. There are a lot of ways you can do that. You can send us your thoughts just leaving a comment on the post that went along with this podcast episode. That's over at www.thedigitalmediazone.com. If you're more into Facebook, we're there too at facebook.com slash VG Story Players. We're also on Twitter, just at VG Story Players. And if you like what you heard, make sure that you're subscribed to Story Players in iTunes or wherever you find podcasts. We should be pretty much everywhere. And we hope that you would share it with your friends, share it on social media, tell other people that you know, and you can also help others find us by leaving a review in Apple podcast or wherever it is that you are subscribed. And if you do that, we would really, really appreciate it. This has been another episode of Story Players. Thank you for listening. I'm Josh Pollard. I'm Joe DeSazio. Adios. See ya. See ya.